Hello, everyone listening in. This is the Underheard Word, where we highlight articles that may not make the biggest headlines, but they will make you think. My name is Jeff. And my name is Amy, and we are your hosts. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts and subscribe to our channel so you never miss an update. And we're also available on most every platform you would access to get your podcasts. So for today's topics, we're actually going into a little bit of the of a retail dive, which also happens to be the name of the website where we got a couple of today's articles. So we wanted to maybe discuss a little bit about the shopping experience that everybody, you know, goes through almost daily now with online platforms, you know, Amazon, obviously the big one, but really almost every store out there has an online connection of, of some sort that could even be like through something like Shopify and other platforms like that as well. For as much as online shopping has grown, especially within the last couple of years with the pandemic, there are still that, you know, on foot live interaction you get with products. You really can't replicate that online. And in fact, for me, there's still items I have to go to the store to get and things like uh, clothes and shoes. I actually want to like, look at it, pick it up and feel it. Uh, before I actually make a purchase of it. I don't know, Jeff, do you have any any items you would rather get in store rather than online? Oh boy, in store. Yeah, there's some items like, of course, groceries. I don't, I'll mm-hmm. never order like, you know, the candy bars or the chips from amazon.com. Yeah, I know they have a marketplace, but I'm not interested, but like clothes, I want to see them and like try them on. I don't want to wait a day or two. I need a pair of jeans. I'm going to want them like now (laughs) and and things like shoes, you know, some things you you just need to see it in person be like, actually, I don't like this. I don't like that. And yeah, Amazon's got like the free return setup going on, but still it's a little bit of a hassle. Yeah, it is. Especially if you have to, if you can only return that product at a store instead of through the mail. But um, again, like, like you said, groceries are, I think one time we did like an Instacart. Yes. And it, it was interesting experience, but it, overall it's, it's much more costly because yeah. you do, especially if you want to tip the driver a, a decent amount because they do all this work for you. And they're always, our, our driver, our shopper was actually very good. I thought constant communication got everything we needed. And it was, and, but it was just why, you know, we could have done this ourselves. I think it was more for the experience that we, we wanted to do that. Yeah. We just wanted to give it like a whirl just to see what it was like. And we were at the the start of the pandemic. We didn't know how crazy things were going to be. So that's that's how we ended up doing that, but it was a interesting experience for sure. Yes. So going back to uh, today's articles about that whole in-store shopping experience, I mean, you have your your big box stores, which tend to sell a variety of different products. There used to be an old saying of, if you can't find it at Walmart, then you don't need it. And that, that was back before Amazon really, really took off. Now, now it's more, if you can't find it on Amazon, you don't really need it. Right. But, um, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Amazon is overpriced on a few things too, especially with their groceries. You said, you know, you would buy something like candy or chips on Amazon, you know, of course, especially when you want that right away, you would go to the store and get it. So this, this article actually kind of caught my eye because it merges two stores that you wouldn't think would merge. So having stores and stores is really nothing new. If you think about 
I know at our local grocery stores have Starbucks or Caribou Coffee in them. You think Walmarts, they always have a Subway, maybe, and usually like a nail salon and Targets tend to have, I think, CVSs inside their own stores. In fact, there's near us, there's a CVS and a Target and inside that Target is a CVS. And yeah, I know so the there's same- two locations like right next to each other. Well, it's it's the same with the Starbucks too. Yeah. There's in another town near us, there's a Starbucks and it's literally in the same parking allotment as a Target, which also has a Starbucks in it. So, yep. <laughs> so ha- having these stores and stores is nothing new. But this one caught my eye because it was Lowe's and Petco. So Retail Dive, and an article by Caroline Jensen, Lowe's partners with Petco for Shop and Shops. Into the insight here, uh, Lowe's partnership with Petco aims to help the home improvement retailer expand its assortment and attract new customers. Lowe's has already taken steps to target pet owners by allowing those consumers to bring their pets into stores by offering items catered to them, including Stainmaster products, dog beds, dog doors, and cleaning supplies. The retailer last April announced it had acquired Stainmaster after becoming the exclusive home improvement retailer for Stainmaster Carpet in 2010. Lowe's, along with the broader home improvement sector, experienced a boost in the early months of the pandemic as consumers sought out ways to make their homes, you know, a place that we're spending more and more time, more comfortable. But that heightened demand appears to be waning. So now as people are going out even more, I mean, maybe at the beginning of the pandemic, something convenient could have been going to one store and having everything. But again, there were already Walmarts for for something like that or Targets for something like that, where you could go to one store and get everything you need. But now it looks like even something as very dedicated to one factor such as home improvement and you could get into details about home improvement being a a vast market but you go to a store like Lowe's with something very specific in mind yep and you wouldn't necessarily go to a wall you you can go to Walmart with maybe a list but it's also a place you could walk around and find other things but now they've they're trying to probably bring in more shoppers by having this looks like a little Petco section in a Lowe's store. So I, I mean, and I don't really understand this type of merge. I mean, I understand the store and store concept. They're nothing new, but this is, you're talking about two bigger players that are kind of merging together rather than something where you could just pick up a coffee or pick up a sandwich. Right. So do you have any thoughts on, on this? It just seemed to me, it just seems a little odd. Yeah, it does seem a little odd. I mean, the color schemes will probably match pretty well considering <laughs> there's blue throughout both. But what I think is, you know, this is a really interesting idea because uh, like you go to Menards or like Home Depot and they do tend to have like little pet sections. It looks like they're just going to take that and just give it its own little corner in the store. If this is if this picture right. on Retail Dive is anything to go by, it's just going to be like a small section of like maybe four or five aisles. But it is interesting that they're occupying an actual space in the store instead of being like a building right next to it and they just right. share the lease. Right. And now that I think about it, I mean, even around us, there might be like a Home Depot and a pet store right next to it. Right. That's not exactly unusual to see. But again, we see Starbucks across the street from a Target with a Starbucks in it too. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. So, I mean, again, the whole point of this is to like, you know, have that one stop shop where you just go to one place and because people are were spending more time than their homes i mean it seems a little odd timing too like this might have been more convenient a couple of years ago but maybe this is how it how you know especially if we if the whole work from home catches on sort of indefinitely whether you know even after the pandemic ends it might just be a matter of convenience and preference for employees but they're spending more time in their homes and more time with their pets so, but, but to me, it, it's a little odd because both Lowe's and Petco are kind of more big box household names a right. little bit. And you go to these two different stores for very different reasons. And it's, like I said, it's not like just the convenience of picking up a sandwich or a coffee or just getting your nails done or getting a haircut, whatever it might be at like a Target or a Walmart or picking up a prescription. I mean, this is something that it's, it's very different. And yeah, granted, I know at Home Depot, you can bring your dog into those stores. I'm, it seems like Lowe's, you could probably do the same. I would think so. Yeah. And there is a small section for like cleaning supplies there and like some small appliances that would, you know, if you have pets would be of convenience to you, but to actually get things like, they don't exactly say what exactly would be available there. Looks like mostly just like food and maybe some toys and a leash, maybe collars, so, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, to me, it almost seems like it's, it would be in neither of these stores best interest to do this because you're taking away space from a Lowe's where people go there for a dedicated reason. They have something in mind they, and they want those options there at that Lowe's and you're taking that chunk out and putting something that's not even related in there. Right. And I mean, I, I guess I just don't understand what, why I would not go to a pet co if I needed pet supplies. I don't understand. What I don't understand is if they're doing something like this is why isn't like Lowe's just buying pet co at that point to then bring everything in house or vice versa. Something is weird about that. Yeah. I do wonder if that's kind of the start of it. Maybe. I mean, maybe there is that kind of relationship developing before yeah. i mean it seems it seems like lowe's is more of the i don't know if instigator is the right word they're more this is more for them than it is for petco so petco is kind of sacrificing a little bit of sales they'd have in stores that they'd have in their own stores and now they have to share this space with lowe's so i'm wondering if there would i well i'm actually it actually says in this article petco in its most recent quarter i probably quarter 4 of last year reported net sales increased 15% over the year to 1.4 billion while net income reached 51.5 million from 2.1 million the pri- the year prior so they are not for they're they're not bleeding money or anything they uh they have some no some cash. So maybe this is just an experiment for them. Yeah. It seems like this is just kind of a pilot program from what I was reading out of this. And there's only just like a handful of locations. I think, you know, they're trying to get the idea of, Hey, you bring your pet in, you know, if they're doing, if this is going to be a location that offers like the pet services, like chipping and, and grooming and things like that, you can have your dog getting like a bath and nails trimmed. You can go run off and grab oh, I also need screws and I need a new doorknob for something I broke off or, or a null post, you know, 
you could just go run off and grab <laughs> that in the 30, 40 minutes while your pet's being taken yeah. care of. But it's just kind of weird. It's a weird blend to me. Just like an odd marriage though, between these two. Yes, because it does. You don't, not everybody goes into Petco with an appointment either for, for this. Exactly. So to, again, to me, it, it just kind of sounds like there's something bigger at play and that this is maybe just an experiment. So it says the, the retailer will, will first roll out the concept at Lowe's Alamo Ranch, Texas location uh, in early February with 14 additional locations in Texas, North Carolina, and South Carolina by the end of March. So it does sound like it's kind of a little bit regional in where they're trying to experiment this and probably just what it is right now. It's kind of like a phase one approach just to see what the feedback is. So there's probably not a lot of investment in it yet unless this takes off. So, yeah, I mean, my overall opinion is that I, as of now, I'd rather just go to two separate stores. It just seems like, because I, I just feel like if I bet on going to Lowe's and bet on they'd still, they'd have what the exact food that, you know, our dog or our cats need. That seems a little bit risky. It's like, I feel like I would just go there and if they don't have it, well, then I have just have to go to a a pet store anyway. Exactly. To me, it's, it's a little strange. I mean, it It is strange. It's strange. It's not coming to Wisconsin anytime soon. It looks like so, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I understand the whole store and store experience and convenience of it, but this just doesn't seem like it would be convenient to me anyway yeah this doesn't seem all that convenient to me like I said earlier like it almost makes more sense just to have like if Lowe's owns a property and there's space to put up a store next to it or somewhere else in like the massive parking lot that is known as Lowe's Mm -hmm. then you can just set up the shop like right there and still have you know the separate but close together and still under an umbrella together Mm-hmm. where you share the lease uh, for the land and you just take care of your own business and hey you can just go right over there it's more um seems more efficient that you just have the two stores next to each other rather than in each other okay so for our next article kind of keeping in theme with the uh, retail dive is an article by Daphne Howland uh another way that stores are changing and how this might impact your shopping experience is that Walmart stores redesigned could spell more trouble for department stores. So in this article, there's a picture of what a redesigned Walmart looks like. And before even reading the full title, I looked at the picture and I said, that looks like a department store. And looks sure, like Kohl's to it, me. It, yeah. Mean. Yeah. It kind of looks like, or like, a, a what is it? Macy's. Yeah. Bosses or all these, all these department bosses, stores yeah. are falling off the map too. So it's kind of hard to, to think of ones that are still around. But so they're, what Walmart is trying to do is they, they've dubbed this project as time well spent to include improved lighting, use of space, dynamic displays, QR codes, and digital screens that will create opportunities for digital exploration. It's kind of trying to replicate what Target did a few years ago. And in, in Target's, at least around here, I've noticed this revamp mostly in the cosmetic section actually. Okay. So I see a lot more bright lighting, a lot more displays for certain, for like more specific products, like a company can actually rent out a display and have just their products on this display out front. Although I've noticed a little bit in the grocery section too, if you go to like the the refrigerator to the frozen section, those lights are off until you approach and then they turn on as 
almost like a light sensor, like a motion sensor for lights. I don't know. You, you spend a little bit more time in like the, the entertainment area, Jeff, do you see any, like when you go for movies or games or TVs, do you see anything different there? Not really, other than it's shrinking and it seems a little more diverse with like the, the phones and accessories and cameras just physical media is dwindling, but that's about the only thing that I'm like seeing in like the electronics section. Mm-hmm. They don't have like the automated lights, but everything, some things are getting behind lockable cabinets now. So right. there's a, there's a little bit of an organization and revamp going on, but other than things are starting to dwindle, even the video game section, like the video games themselves, they, they used to have like this big row of like the Nintendo Switch games. Now it's not even bigger than like a, a six foot section of our wall here. Right. So. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if that's because, you know, people, you can, so many games, you don't really need a physical copies anymore. A lot of stuff, people just get digital codes or downloads, but for something like me, for like cosmetics or something, I actually want to look at the colors and, you know, re- read the packaging a little bit more. I mean, with a game, it's like, you kind of already know what you're getting or like a movie, yeah. you know what you're getting. A, t- a TV might be different, but again, Target isn't really the first place you'd go for a TV. No, the, yeah, even like that, you can check out the TVs on display. The boxes are largely there. I mean, maybe the argument could be made about like the computer section and the cell phone section. That does seem pretty chic. Mm-hmm. How they have that set up at Target. It looks like you're walking, it, it, it does seem boutique-y when yes. you get over to to like that kind of area. So yeah, I guess you could say, yeah, they're they're working on that too. Yeah, and, that, and that's a, a good word for the cosmetic section too. It's like even like the, the guys area where they're trying to target more men with like hair care and skin products and cologne, they, uh, that's very much a boutique higher end feel to it. So it, it says here that, so this is all actually being started at, what is it called? An incubator location in, in Arkansas, Springdale, Arkansas. I think that's where they're, they're headquartered anyway. And the test follows an earlier store redesign focused on navigation and wayfinding uh, that Walmart has brought to nearly 1,000 stores after overwhelmingly positive feedback, said Elvis Washington, who is the vice president of marketing for store design, innovation, and experience. He went on further to say, I refer to it as a solution-based rather than product-based retailing. It's something that a good department store of the past did well and is increasingly important as sales continue to shift more online. So it, it kind of sounds like they're trying to, again, because more you know shopping online is pretty much the way most people do their shopping. They want to elevate that in-store experience. And so by redesigning their store, they're trying to do that. Article goes on further to say Target has nailed the approach and continues to improve it, making its stores a place for discovery and not just checking off a to-do list. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, where you could actually spend some time in in Targets and Walmarts and walk around and look for things, but it, it almost sounds like they're trying to elevate that a little bit with it almost sounds like a more like digital approach to everything too. Like these activated corners, you know, the QR codes to you know scan something for more information digital displays. So it sounds like, you know, even as more and more people, I, I, you could almost say that there's a a competition between online and the brick and mortar stores. There's, you know, what actually gets you more into shopping, gets you into, you know, that kind of like like a little bit of that emotional state where you want to, you have your to-do list or your, your to buy list. And, but 
there's all always incentives to make you want to buy a little bit more. One, one good example is, you know, at the checkout counter, there's candy and gum and chips maybe, or something there to make you like, Oh, like that. that what is, what is it called? Impulse impulse, buy. Yes. Yeah. To make you a little, so it's kind of sounds like they're trying to highlight that a little bit in these stores because on Amazon or other online retailers, you know, impulse buy, you can, it's not necessarily an impulse. It might be a little bit sometimes, but usually the thing with, with Amazon, you could put something in your cart for like two or three days oh, yeah. and then not buy it here at the store. It's like, you're there impulse buy, get this now sort of thing. And they're trying to elevate that with things like these, these digital displays. So I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? As weird as it sounds, the first thought I have is, oh my God, dynamic displays and QR codes. Are they going to start reading like your phone or this is not a conspiracy thing, but it's like, is it going to read who you are and know, oh, we need to target this particular person for this particular yeah. item and this particular ad. So whenever you walk by, it's doing something for you, not just a general thing. We're probably a ways off from that happening, but it's just the first thought that comes to my mind is, oh my God, are these going to be like targeted ads? Like you get on Facebook yeah. after you're searching for something for like your wife and oh crap, she knows I'm looking at slippers. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be walking around the store and all of a sudden it says, oh yeah, you're looking at roses for your wife for Valentine's. And the wife looks over, um, just roses? Like, come on. <laughs> well, to, to play onto that, yes. If you, that's actually a really good point is that if you go to the store and you scan a QR code, all of a sudden that display has your data. Yeah. It knows you scanned this code here. And then when you go home and, you know, browse your news websites, all of a sudden there's a targeted ad for something you saw at the store that maybe you, you never really looked at before. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is another way just for, for these big retailers to collect your data. And then whether it's something just like sending you a targeted ad or something more that could, you know, you go down a rabbit hole with that, but yeah, this is, it's not just elevating your experience, but it's also elevating the data that you share. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is, I didn't actually think of that. That's a really good point. So it's a little conspiracy maybe, but um, is it, you know, is it right. really? I mean, chances are before you even go to these stores, you've looked online for things you need. You've done a research. So it's kind of already out there. It's just maybe a little bit more tailored this time. Right. So. <laughs> All right. And, and so kind of making the full circle now, going back to, uh, Amazon a little bit. They they are well. You you could say that they got caught, you know, with their hand in the cookie jar, and now they've got to pay a fee. Yeah. So um, in this article by at at Epic Times again, Epic or Epoch Times, depending on where you live, by Naveen Athrapuli. I, I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Amazon closes SBA, which is the sold by Amazon program, and agrees to two point two five million dollar settlement following. AG investigation. So Attorney General Bob Ferguson announced Wednesday that his office has filed a lawsuit and a legally binding resolution against the e-commerce behemoth in the King County Superior Court. As part of the legally enforceable consent degree, Amazon must stop the sold by Amazon program nationwide and provide the AG's office with an annual update on its compliance with antitrust laws, according to the news release. Amazon has agreed to pay this settlement and shut down the program because it did violate antitrust laws and engaged in price fixing. Yep. Uh, so it worked like this. 
Amazon would invite a third-party seller onto its platform and settle on a minimum price for its products. If the platform manages to sell the product above the stipulated price, the companies would split the profits. But Amazon's dynamic pricing system would artificially raise prices for all similar products from different sellers. It prevented them from offering discounts and led buyers to swerve towards Amazon's branded offerings where the company had the freedom to price it as it chose. These actions constituted anti-competitive behavior and violated state laws. So I understand, okay, yes, they should be paying a price for this, but is $2.25 million really all that much to them? Or do you think they might be losing more in having to shut down the sold by Amazon program? Yeah, that's going to be where, that's where I think they're going to get hit is they're, they have to shut the program down. The $2.25 million is like saying, oh, you done bad hand over $2 for like us normal people, but right. you can't do your program anymore. Okay. That's where you're going to lose the money from. According to uh, the attorney general, Amazon has served around 2.3 million third-party sellers on its platform with corresponding sales going from 100 million in 1999 to $160 billion in 2018. This is before Yeesh. the pandemic. Meanwhile, Amazon's branded product sales expanded from 1.6 billion in 1999 to $117 billion in 2018. Over half of all product sales on the platform were accounted for by third-party party sellers. However, according to the settlement, Amazon makes no admission of liability or any wrongdoing. <laughs> so again, I, to me, it's, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's all that much upfront when you look at these numbers, but do you really think that even, even with these having to let go of this SBA program, are they really going to hurt that much in the long run? I mean, it might sting a little at first, but are we as consumers going to see anything from this or is it just going to be business as usual for us and Amazon being the behemoth that it is might just, they'll, they'll get through this. This isn't something that's going to bring them under or anything. Yeah. This is a blip on the radar for them. I mean, we're, us as consumers probably won't see anything about this. And to most people, this sort of like articles, oh, they can't do this anymore, but I never used it anyway. Mm -hmm. So this is this is one of those articles that's a little bit under the radar and right up our wheel well for, for here. So we get to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like the penalties are one thing, shutting down the program, but they're just going to roll right along. We're not going to be seeing like a price hike for anything because of this. They raise their Amazon Prime membership every so yeah. often for other reasons. It's not for like one particular program. It's for everything. So if you're a Prime member, you're not going to probably see one way or the other anything from this at all. Yeah, and that's that's kind of too bad, really. I mean, how many people do you think, quote unquote, victims of buying these fixed prices? That's probably almost everybody who bought on Amazon. Right. So I there could be a class action lawsuit. I, but I highly doubt it. I mean, let me put this way. There could be grounds for a class action lawsuit, but really, I mean, would we even see anything from, from this? If we were, if that were to go ahead? Yeah. Enough of these companies would have to agree to join in on that and they all have to spend the money to file it, run all the legal costs and you're going up against Amazon. 
Is that a fight you really want to pick? You could be several years before anything happens. Yeah, well, they would probably just settle that too. Ultimately, yeah, but they'd try to go through the courts initially so they could get so they could get to that position where a settlement comes to them. But it really depends if it's worth it to them or just to move on and just try and get yeah. back to business. Yeah. And if, you know, if this, does, like I said, this could probably sting them a little bit, but they have so many programs and they're, they're more than yeah. just an e-commerce, you know, product seller. They sell services too. Yes, they do. So they're, they're much bigger than just their, their online store. I mean, they're, and they're trying to get bigger too. They're trying to, you know, reach out into physical stores with that Amazon market. They're trying yes. to now with that department store or that clothing store in LA that they're opening up. So they're, they're just growing and growing. I don't, you know, this may sound like it's kind of important, but at the same time, it's just going to fly under the radar because they're so big and 2.5 or 2.25 million is so little to them. And this program, right. they can sacrifice it and at the end of the day, they won't lose any sleep. Nope. They will not lose sleep over this one. Right. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I, I think, I think the bigger bat, the bigger fish they have to deal with now is what was it the other day we talked about? Oh, the, the antitrust laws yeah. that are being reviewed right now. Right. So because they're, they're purchasing uh, MGM studios right. and that's supposed to be finalized around March time. Right. Yeah. So again, it's like this, a little bit of an interesting news, but again, at the end of the day, it's like, we're not going to see anything out of this. Amazon's not going to lose sleep over this. They're just getting bigger and they're going to try to get as big as they can before the antitrust laws go under review. Right. But I think, what is it? The DOJ and the FCC? Those are the uh, two Federal Trade Commission, FTC, FTC I think okay. it is. Yeah. Um, what And the DOJ, they're reviewing the antitrust yeah. laws now. But again, Amazon's just going to try to get as big as they can before that. And I think that's ultimately the bigger battle for them to fight. So this is, you know, it was yeah. kind of an interesting read. But again, it's just going to, nobody's, this is just going to fly under the radar. Nobody's going to lose sleep over this. Exactly. And we're not going to see anything out of it, even if we were, nope. even if we <laughs> were victims of the price fixing or if like a certain, right. if a certain retailer was a victim of the price fixing, fixing, yeah, that's not going to amount to any more than this, which is, you know, kind of too, too bad. bad. It is too bad. This should be brought to, to light a little bit more just yes. because they're so big. What's to stop them from doing something like this again? Oh yeah. Eventually they'll try and find a loophole or do a, a similar program, but right. they're, they're being watched and they have to report every year how they're complying with it. So we'll see how it ends up going. Yeah. I think that's it for today then. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Again, please leave your thoughts and comments. And be sure to check us out on all of our social media channels. That's Facebook, Instagram, all of them at the underheard word, except for Twitter, we're at underheard word. Thank you again for tuning in.